I'm Heidi Higgins, and you are listening to K-12 on Learning, sponsored by Stride. Since the day I started enrolling my children in an online school, I began to hear the whispers. I think my friends may have thought I lost it. Maybe I was suffering a midlife crisis or something. My own mother questioned me and asked me if I really wanted to have my children home all the time. But the worst one was when my older children came to me and said, Mom, you think you can teach our sisters? Now, the very fun ending to this story is that those older children now have enrolled some of their children in schools powered by Stride K-12. Their concern at the beginning was mostly over one subject, socialization. Socialization is often the first question I'm asked when I visit with a new or interested family. How will my children meet others, they ask. What are the activities like? Will my children be able to interact with their peers? Well, I'm happy to report that students who are in a school powered by Stride K-12 can develop great social skills with their teachers and their classmates during Live Class Connect sessions. Maybe also while they're attending outings and activities that are offered within the school and through the National Stride Online Community. Of course, I mention these things aware of the current circumstances. The schools will be ready to add in-person experiences again when they're allowed. In this episode, I'm going to reintroduce you to Allison Miller, an experienced learning coach. You may remember Allison from an earlier episode where she talked about digital citizenship. Allison worked with four of her own children at home and found success with them socially and academically. She now works to provide information for learning coaches as she is an integral part of our online coach to coach sessions. These online interactive experiences are just an example of what you can find in our programming to support learning coaches and students as well as add a little socialization for you, too. Thanks for joining us, Allison. My name's Allison Miller. We started back in 2003 with four children who've been through the program since that time. We've had an amazing journey, and it's been a pleasure to meet other learning coaches all over the country throughout our time with K-12. So today our topic is socialization in the online school. So we talk about socialization usually about once a semester because it's one of those things that you could call the number one question. It's over the years that we've been a K-12 family. I think that's the question I've been asked more than any other single question. What about socialization is the question I get. So we're going to be talking today about what we actually mean when we talk about socialization, how it works when your student is learning in an online setting. And then because we know this year is a little different for all of us, we'll sort of extend the all of the ideas for socialization in a normal school year to ones that we might be able to implement now as things are progressing through this very unusual times frame that we find ourselves in right now. So that's what we're going to be covering today. So first of all, what are we talking about when people are talking about socialization? It's a buzzword people toss around, and I'm not sure that people always know exactly what they're talking about. We all know what we mean by socializing. That's where we're engaging with others in a social way. But socialization is actually defined as the process that begins in childhood by which we as individuals require values, habits, and attitudes of society. 
It's also the social interaction with others that we're usually talking about. So it's both the understanding and learning how to navigate society's norms and rules of behavior and the activity of social engagement itself. And it's a lifelong process. We develop social ability throughout our lives, uh, learning social behaviors, primarily through social interactions. And this allows us as individuals to participate effectively within society and to extend the culture that we've learned to others. That's what we're talking about when we talk about socialization. So what is the purpose of socialization? The bottom line is the purpose of socialization is to learn how to be functioning members of society. And we do this through the acquisition of social skills. Okay, so what are social skills? <laughs> social skills include the ability to interact effectively with others. They include the tools that enable us to communicate, to learn, to help get help when we need it, to help get our needs met, to make friends, to help others, to develop healthy relationships, and to even protect ourselves. They include the essential character traits that we all need to develop to function properly in society. Trustworthiness, responsibility, fairness, respectfulness, caring, citizenship. And these social skills are acquired through engagement, through interaction with others. So yes, we do learn all of these social skills and to socialize through engagement with others, but who are these others? Who are the agents of socialization? What are the sources of socialization? Well, the primary agent of this knowledge is the family. We learn most of this from our families, those that we immediately learn from, primarily parents. Many times learning coaches are spending a good time if sometimes our learning coaches aren't the parents and those are also would sort of count in this category. And the second most essential agent of or source of socialization is peers, our peers. Peers can come from a lot of different places, though. So one of the primary ones, of course, is school or in earlier years, daycare. We have peers in our neighborhoods from whom we learn certain types of social skills, our religious communities or other types of communities we might be engaged in. We learn through mass media. And I would add to that nowadays, for better or worse, social media through sports our engagement with observations, with professional sports and so forth, but also our students' engagement in activities like sports and other types of activities. And later on, we continue to learn social skills through the workplace. The takeaway here is that the families are the primary agent. And the second takeaway is while peers are the second essential agent, that kind of learning happens in a lot of different settings. Here are some of the types of statements you might hear if someone is questioning you about a decision to educate your family at home and whether that in some way impedes their ability to develop social skills. One statement that I've heard is peer interaction is a critical component of socialization. That is true. Natural peer interaction is an important part of learning social skills. But in the school setting, it's somewhat limited or controlled. So beneficial peer interaction can be obtained in other settings and it can be planned for students who are learning at home. And most families who are learning at home take some effort to make sure that this kind of learning takes place. Students may not be involved in enough adequate social activities to receive the level of socialization they need for optimal personal or social development. Basically saying they may not have enough social engagement. 
we as learning coaches, as parents and family members, typically work pretty hard to make sure that happens. There are so many different kinds of ways for our students to have a variety of social opportunities for students. And typically, families do anticipate the need for this. Some people might remark that students are too sheltered or that they're isolated and they won't be ready for the real world. I definitely heard that one once or twice in the beginning. And the response to that, the truth is that students who are learning at home often get to engage and interact with people from a variety of backgrounds, a variety of age levels. They're not typically in a setting where they're with their exact same age level peers of their same you know, grade and uh, sort of a homogeneous group in a classroom setting. They're they end up engaging with people in their communities and in group settings and so forth. And so this helps them prepare effectively for life after they complete their education. And then the last one is what about prom? And really what we're talking about here is not necessarily just the prom, but those rites of passage that our society considers important. Things like going to a graduation ceremony or attending a prom or other types of rites of passage. And the answer to that is that, of course, we all saw last year when most schools who were, had been planning things like proms and graduations had to either cancel them or find socially distant ways to hold those activities. Certainly proms were mostly canceled. Graduation ceremonies went online. And the fact is, is that for our students learning online, many of our schools do have in-person graduation ceremonies. Last year, those came online. There are other ways to create those opportunities or maybe community learning groups or other settings or maybe help create that with your K-12 powered school. So there are ways to do that outside of the school environment or even to help create it within your school if those types of rites of passage are important to you. So what does the research say about all this? So K-12 is all research-based. So I looked at the research, uh, the studies over the last 30 years or so, and what those say about this particular debate. And the studies show that students who learn in the home perform just as well as their peers from traditional school settings in measures of things like self-concept, self-esteem, and the ability to get along in groups. They found that behavioral problems are observed less frequently in students who are learning at home. And they think this is because students learning at home tend to use their parents as role models rather than their peers, which makes sense when we talk about the studies that show that the agents of socialization, the primary one is the family. And if we're spending more time in that setting, we tend to learn from, from our parents and family members more than our peers. Students educated at home successfully integrate into other settings like schools, colleges, and career workplaces. They tend to be well prepared for the real world. And again, that goes back to the, the ability they have to engage in society and their communities, engaging with a more diverse group of people of different age levels and backgrounds. Students can sometimes learn more efficiently in an online or at-home learning setting. And this can allow them to devote more time to other things they're interested in, which provide social opportunities. So they might be able to spend more time in certain social settings than their peers in traditional schools. And then lastly, and probably in some ways most importantly, parents tend to socialize their children vertically. That means they sort of socialize them toward things like responsibility. We offer service learning and other types of life skill preparation, preparation for adulthood. And this tends to enhance their maturity and their preparation for the real world. So here's some of the conclusions. So it, yes, socialization is an essential part of childhood development. 
socialization, also the development known as the development of social skills does occur through the interaction with other people. But the primary agent of learning these skills is the family. And then that is followed secondarily by peers and other agents. And we can offer that peer interaction in a lot of different settings. It doesn't have to happen in a traditional school setting. Adult role model contact is more important for social development. And students educated at home can be socialized. They can develop strong social skills through interactions with a variety of people in a lot of settings that we can create opportunities for them to have. So how do we do it? <laughs> so how does this work? for us to make sure our student does have optimal opportunities for socialization. And it can take a little bit of time, attention, and planning on the part of the learning coach. This year, many learning coaches have had to sort of adjust to finding ways for our students to be social at a time when they really couldn't be not only in a traditional school setting, but in other face-to-face -face settings. So um, many of us have become pretty good at figuring this out, and many are still trying to figure out more opportunities. I hear it probably every week someone brings that up. So even in normal circumstances, it takes some time, attention, and planning. The activity level that your student has really depends on your student and what they are wanting and what your family wants to offer and what fits in well with your family. So what you want to look for are a variety of age-appropriate activities, ones that interest your student. They may offer not just social engagement, but they might also offer enrichment or exercise or leadership opportunities or service learning opportunities. So those are, are great opportunities for our students to not only learn social skills, but learn some other things along the way as well. And in the end, just do what works best for you and for your student. And just realize this isn't anything to worry about. Your child will develop social skills with you and in a wide variety of other ways while engaging with your community and beyond. So it's nothing to stress about. Now we're going to give you a bunch of ideas around socialization, realizing some of these may be ones you'd more likely implement a little bit further down the road. We're going to wrap up with some you might try implementing now if you're looking for some new ideas. Our students do get it to engage with others in the school environment itself. So they'll have an opportunity to connect with others in Class Connect sessions, whether that's just a short social period at the beginning or end of a Class Connect, or whether they actually go into breakout rooms and have discussions and collaborate with others. So there are a bunch of ways that our students do engage within the Class Connects themselves. Of course, they're engaging with their teachers in those sessions as well. That also counts. Your school may offer some programming. Your own K-12 powered school may have some school-based clubs or maybe some summer activities. In the past, some schools have been able to offer some meetups, joint field trips, things like that. Those may be on hold at the moment, but keep your eyes open for those. Beyond that, nationally, K-12 offers a lot of programming for students, clubs for students of all ages and grade levels, kindergarten to 12th grade, and a lot of different student interest areas. The K-12 national clubs are a fun way to meet students from all over the country. There are special events, there are summer programming to look forward to, and those are all another way for students to engage in the virtual setting. And then you can sort of engage with other families and learning coaches through the K-12 community. That's a part of the K-12 mobile app that's designed to enable you to connect with your own school community, but also check out your school may have social media groups that you can engage in to meet others who may be local to you that you can meet outside at a park or something like that, or at least connect online and, and meet in person later on. These can be good ways for you to connect with other families and students in your own K-12 powered school.
So look, stepping out, sort of thinking of concentric circles, we'll sort of step outside of the school community to your local community. So you might check out some organized activities, and some of these may be virtual right now. Some of these may be outside as the weather's getting better, but things like team or individual sports, dance, music, art, things like this. My oldest daughter was very serious about ballet. My youngest, my sons are both engaged in tennis, and they also do music. These were activities that they thoroughly enjoyed. They made lots of people. They were able to develop social skills through these kinds of activities. Participation in extracurricular activities at your own traditional school may be possible. Some states will allow students engaged in a statewide virtual charter school to enroll or participate in local school activities. So it's something to check with your state, maybe with your school, maybe with your local school district to figure out if that's possible. So some students in K-12 powered schools are able to participate in sports or orchestra, band, art, theater, things like this may be possible. So it's worth checking out if that's something your student enjoys. Those things, again, may be on hold at the moment, maybe later on that your student can engage in those again. Supplemental activities through co-ops or other groups of people who are also learning online or at home. Organizations, scouting, 4-H, YMCA, and others. There are so many groups that offer programming, and some of those are, are especially targeting students who are being educated at home. Look for programs at places like museums, the library, nature, wildlife centers, zoos. We have some at a, a raptor center near us, a botanical uh, garden has some programming for young people. Again, these went online for most of this school year, but some of them because they're outside are starting to open up and they just are socially distance outside with the mask on, they can engage in those activities. Parks, recreation centers, historical sites may have programming. These are ways for your student to kind of learn something and maybe tap into an interest they didn't realize they had and something they want to continue later on. Some religious communities have programming designed for students learning at home or just your religious community may have other things like Sunday school or summer programs that will be another place for your student to connect with others. So then don't just sort of limit yourself to your community. There are programs at the state and national level that are worth checking out as well. So there may be some summer camps near or far. Some of those may be something to do later on. There may be state selective programs. If your student's really serious about or passionate about sports, music, dance, or art, these are some that typically have state selective programming. You might find a local course, American Red Cross, for example, offers some great courses in things like babysitting, first aid, water safety, and lifeguarding. Your local community college may offer some programs that students can get extracurricular learning in or do some dual credit and extend their learning and get credit for it at the same time. There may be internships, summer or school year internships in a field your student's interested in. I know there are a lot of things with coding and things like that going on, editing, writing, local newspapers, things like that. We emphasized in our family volunteer and service learning opportunities. So I we've been fostering dogs for quite a few years now. These are the kinds of things where you want to be willing to extend beyond your local community. It's all out there. And if you don't apply, you won't know if you can, if they can do it. But volunteer and service learning, we did a lot of different kinds of things in our community. You might create your own club. Maybe you pick some some of your students' friends and create a book club or your own math team. You could do that within your school or with like-minded friends or another interest area, create a Zoom group or something like this, or informal get-togethers with friends. Again, I'm sort of emphasizing how to adapt to these right now, but this 
course, is easier to do at other times. Nationally, lots of programs for students and they're worth checking out. Competitions, contests, showcases. Some that are really cool like NaNoWriMo. I don't know if I'm even saying it right, but it's a young writer. It's a program in November where anyone can engage adult or student to try to write a novel throughout the month of November. If you've got a writer in the family, I definitely encourage you to check it out. But they have ongoing, interesting programs and posts and articles and things in that group. You can find it online, student blogging, challenge. Young Arts is a tremendous arts program. They have visual, written, theater, and music and dance. And students can submit a video and they have an opportunity to go down to Miami where Young Arts is located and train with world-known artists in their area. And then from then get an opportunity to perform. My daughter got to perform at the Kennedy Center in Washington for the president and got a scholarship, a nice scholarship for college through that program. So it's just a great opportunity. More volunteer and service learning is at the national level. So things like Youth Service America has a Global Youth Service Day. These are just things to check out. National Park Service has the Junior Ranger programs, which are educational programs. But while you're there, see if there's some other types of volunteer programs your student might get involved with. If there's a national park near you, maybe some service outside or even some online service that your student might be able to engage in. There's some great newer youth mentoring and learning programs that are available now. And these sort of match students with a mentor in a field of interest they may have, whether it's career oriented or kind of just uh, service learning, things like that. So those are a few of them connected camps. It's more related to coding and things like that. There's DreamYard, Road Trip Nation. It connects people with different cultures within our... In the past, universities have offered some summer cramp programming or there are summer camps that are just held at major universities. These, again, may be a little different this year, they may be virtual. So you can look into those and see what's being offered now. And then again, nationally selective summer intensive programs. So if your student's very serious about something, it might be worth just seeing if they have an opportunity to participate in that at the national level. So what about right now? I've started, sort of been weaving in the way these things might have adapted. This is what experts are suggesting that we do right now. First thing is weather's improving for most of us all around the country. Take your activities outside. So you might look for outdoor activities activities that have already been determined to be safe, like tennis, hiking, running, other types of activities or some other sports going on. As I mentioned, my sons were serious tennis players and my youngest is a tennis pro and he's been busy. He was coaching on Zoom in, in the spring and that by June was face-to-face -face at the other opposite end of a tennis court. It's been safe. He's busy from morning till night virtually every day because tennis is a safe activity. And so many students learning at home have uh, reached out to him to get that activity and instruction. You might plan some one-on-one -on -one activities or maybe very small group activities with your students' friends and plan those in a safe, socially distant setting. So an example that we did, we did the next thing, get creative taking art, reading, or other learning activities outside with friends. So painting outside is we just took some little sketchbooks to a botanical garden with a couple kids. And we did have to drive in the car there. This was before the pandemic. But once we were there, they were spread out and they got to do some art together and 
it was sort of a learning, but also a fun activity. So you can get creative and think about ways that your student can engage other than the Zoom virtual meetings we've probably been doing all along. That said, the experts do still recommend that we leverage digital platforms to offer opportunities for social connection for our students. So if your students been maybe during this time connecting with friends through some video calls like Zoom, some of us complain of having some Zoom fatigue, you can sort of help them figure out ways to get creative about how to use this. So one idea that I thought was a great one is to have a Zoom lunchtime. Sort of as if your friends, your child's friends are also learning at home, plan a lunch break together and just eat lunch together on Zoom or pick another time to do something that's not just, that feels a little different and, and elevated. You can create some enjoyable virtual activities. So you might have them Friday night stream a movie together. You can create a watch party online so they're all kind of watching it simultaneously and they, you can enable private chat and they watch party and they can be chatting with each other online throughout while they're viewing the film together. There's a, an app called Cappuccino that lets them create a mini podcast. And so the way it works is instead of sort of maybe texting all day, if you don't allow that during school for a distraction, they can actually kind of record little quips and ideas throughout the day. And it compiles it into a mini podcast that a group of people can share with each other, sort of have that full connection all at one time at the end of, let's say, a day or whatever period they establish for creating their mini podcast together. Another fun idea is to host your own virtual club. So maybe we create our own science club. If your student loves science, you could do maybe get some other parents together and do organize doing the, the labs together. If you know other students in the same grade level, do those on Zoom together, foreign language or book club. And in fact, this sort of reminds me of a, an idea that many families around the country implemented this year called learning pods. So there was an idea of the pandemic pod in the beginning. So people who maybe were living on their own could create a pod of a small group of people people and agree that we're just going to socialize with each other. So we have somebody, but we're not all out meeting other people and exposing each other to that potential COVID. So they created pandemic pods for social and that for social reasons. And then this translated into learning pods where people who had students of maybe the same grade level would either get together every day for part of the day and the, the parents or learning coaches would take turn overseeing those students, or they might just get together to do just science or just foreign language or something like this. And they created outdoor learning areas in many cases. So it was a really great movement. You can read a lot about it. It was uh, publicized in many of the major papers. And it's something you could reach out to your local school, members of your school community to see if anyone wants to do that. It offers kind of a social option as well as some shared learning opportunities. So, but you could do it just as a virtual club as well. Book club's kind of an obvious one, but you could do a science club, foreign language, or anything your student's interested in. You can organize online instruction for a group group through getting, you would maybe line up an instructor, everyone pitches in if there's a cost for that instructor and have, learn a class, create it, get a new hobby, learn a new hobby or learn a dance or something else can be, get some instruction together. And then the other one, many people are turning to online games. Of course, that's, there's been kind of an explosion even before the explosion, before the pandemics exploded during this time frame in online games. Many, many students are connecting with others and adults as well. If you're uncomfortable with this, what you could do is maybe engage with your student and be there with them. Another fun thing I, I heard about was doing having a TikTok account and duetting with others. So you and your student could duet, go in together, and that can be a way to sort of oversee that at the same time. 
And then last but not least, you might go back to some old-fashioned communications, letter writing, just a phone call. But letter writing is a great way to, grandparents love to get letters, but even having a pen pal could be a great way, practice some writing skills and communicate and engage in that way as well. What about you as a learning coach? So definitely you're important too. And it's important for us as learning coaches, we can sometimes get busy with our families and start to feel a little bit a little bit isolated. We're around people all the time, but we're maybe with our own families, our own children. And I think during this year, certainly this is a year that many people have said they felt somewhat isolated, but sometimes learning coaches can feel this anyway. But there's a lot of way, there are a lot of ways for you as a learning coach to engage with others. So there are some national programs that I know many of you are already familiar with, like the Learning Coach Cafe sessions that are held three times a week. They're informal chat sessions in Zoom, Coach to Coach. We hold these again three times a week and you can certainly engage with each other in the group chat. It's not face-to-face, but it is another, another form of engagement. Join the national Facebook groups like K-12 Learning Coach Cafe, new K-12 Learning Coaches, and K-12 Learning Coaches for middle and high school students. These are three national groups available currently. And there's K-12s on other social media like Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter for learning coaches specifically. K-12 Learning Coach supports what you want to look for. Check out what your own school offers, whether it's social media, Facebook groups, other social media, a community website, or the community feature in the K-12 mobile app if your school's using it are good ways to directly to your own school community. You might meet some local people that way. Another great way to get involved is just doing some sort of lean into your own K-12 school. So by local school, I mean the school your student is attending. You might organize a student field trip or a club for students in your school, maybe some sort of co-op organization, maybe create the pod learning I was just talking about in your local community with other members of your school community. Some schools have expos. I know Alabama just had theirs this week. So there are local fairs and expos that your student and you can get involved in and other kinds of social events you can create. So don't rule out your own K-12 powered school as a place where you can lean in and volunteer and create some programming if your school doesn't already have it in place. There are also local, state and national organizations for parents of students learning at home. Many are advocacy groups where you can help do things like bring about opportunities for students to engage in sports and theater and so forth at other public schools in your community when students are learning online, things like that. Their advocacy and also social connection and support groups. And then don't forget all the things you enjoyed before you became a learning coach. I know when I started, all those things kind of were put aside because I was focusing all of my attention on what I was doing with my family and it takes a good bit of time. But bit by bit, I realized it was better for all of us if I had some other interests and bit by bit, I went back to those. So I encourage you to think back to what, what were you doing before you started doing this and, and make sure some of those activities that maybe brought you fellowship and social opportunities and joy are part of your day as well. The takeaways, socialization, yes, it is an essential part of your child's student's development. So we do need to pay attention to it. It is achieved through interaction with others. So that's important too. Remember, you are the most important agent of socialization for your child. That also puts a little responsibility on us, doesn't it? <laughs> They're watching us all the time. Our beha- The behavior we model is what they are learning mostly in terms of learning social skills. So we want to make sure we're putting on our, our best behavior as much as possible. They're learning from observation of you and your social behaviors all the time. Optimal socialization comes from interaction with a variety of other people. And so this can certainly be achieved successfully while educating your child at home. It does take a little bit of planning. 
And there are so many different ways as we've just discussed. And these are just some of them that I thought of creating the presentation, but you can, and that my students were involved in. There are so many others. I'm sure you've started to think of others. You can certainly share if you have some great ideas to share with others, please feel free to share those. So many ways for students to connect with others. And right now, even while maintaining social distancing, whether that's virtual activities or taking it outside, as we mentioned. So look around and find something your child may enjoy, maybe something that's new that they would try now in this setting that they might not normally have thought they would try. They might develop a new interest that they can carry forward once things open back up. So look for something your child will enjoy, something you might enjoy along with them and enjoy this special time you have together. In our remaining time, I'll just quickly run through our programming. Again, links to learn more about these programs and to register for them are in the resource list. Learning Coach Cafe sessions are now held twice on Wednesdays and on Saturday mornings prior to Coach to Coach. Informal chat sessions. These are sessions where we just share ideas. We usually have a laugh. We support each other. We usually have a lot of fun. So we'd love to have you join us in those sessions held Wednesday mornings and evenings and Saturday mornings. Coach to Coach, every week we have a new topic. If you're brand new, we have walk to class sessions. These are two one-hour sessions that cover everything from setting up your schedule, setting up your learning area, a full demo of the online school, K-12 mobile app, and more. So you'll find links to register for those. They are available on demand. So you'll get an immediate link to view this session. You can find all of our programming updated, continuously updated information in the Learning Coach Support Program's online newsletter. Right now, we have national clubs for students of all ages and grade levels, a variety of activities in art, music, DIY, cooking, Lego. They're all great fun, and we'd love to have your student join in. There will be other opportunities along the way. Some summer programming is in the work, special events. Sometimes we have national competitions, so keep an eye out for all of those programs as well and bookmark the student club programs so you'll know about those items as they come along. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. We hope that gave you some new ideas. Take care now. In the podcast notes, I'm including a list of resources for activities and events within the Stride K-12 online community. Don't forget that your online school will also be providing you with a separate list of their events. I encourage you to check out these resources and learn where to stay current on what is available for you and your family. Thank you for listening to K-12 on Learning, sponsored by Stride. To learn more about online public schools powered by Stride K-12, our Stride career prep programs that foster lifelong learning, or any of our private school or individual course offerings, please go to stridelearning.com or k12.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and feel free to leave us a good review. We hope you'll join us next time for K-12 on Learning.